So, mm. before our last episode a couple weeks ago, I told you that I, like much of the internet, had gotten sucked into YouTuber H Bomber Guy's four-hour video about plagiarism on YouTube. Right. Now, you and every other fucker, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this... Uh, like, everybody was talking about this for, like, two everybody. days. And then, yeah. ping, and then disappeared again because I mean, of the cycle the being what it is. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But, but please, uh, do go on. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that video posted, fo- that's certainly not a word, focused mm. <laughs> mostly uh, on one particularly egregious culprit, uh, a dude by the name of James Summerton, who I assume has at this point changed his name and gone to live amongst the animals in a secluded <laughs> forest somewhere yes. because... Barring a hard turn to the right, which is always possible, bro is never getting a platform back. He was destroyed by that video. But. So, for me, for mm. the benefit of me. Sure. That you might, you may have just, you may as well just be stringing random words here. This might be, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is some stream of consciousness. Just <laughs> guff, right? What is an H-bomber guy? What, what, just sum it up for me, please. H-Bomber Guy is a YouTuber who produces right. video essays about various topics. Um, I'm sure you've seen him before. Like, if you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, that guy. Famously, you'll have seen him as, like, a gif coming through a wall where he's, like, yelling at Ben Shapiro, you know, about selling real estate to Aquaman. That gif is used for a lot of things. <laughs> but... I'm looking at his face right now, and were this man to knock at my door right now... I would have no concept of who he was. But I'm H. Bomber guy. All right, great. Well, he's British, for one. Oh, is he? Okay. doesn't sound like that. Um, Yeah, British YouTuber. Um, (laughs) All right, mate, I'm H. Bomber guy. (laughs) That's it. Totally nailed it. Um, But yeah, so he does these video essays and things like that. And he put out this video, like I said, four hours long, about an hour and a half of which is just basically going through the plagiarism problem on YouTube. Um, And like showing how many like videos are made that are like just straight copied from other stuff other people's work like books whatever things like Um, that was rife on twitter as well oh yeah twitter yeah (laughs) remember that old thing just the most the weirdest fucking thing it was after an episode of question time right Uh here on the uk uh where i i just uh just a tossed off tweet without thinking about it on one of the panelists and then like a few minutes later, I saw somebody in my timeline just literally having copied and pasted the exact <laughs> same fucking tweet. Why? Yeah, people are weird about that stuff. People don't want to do their own work. Um, mm. And that's why specifically the fellow James Summerton, who then the rest of the video is mostly dedicated to, is batshit. Because this guy would like literally lift entire books and things like that and just read them maybe change like a word or two here and there but it's like enough that you could google the phrases in it and it's like that's that's the book and he would highlight these whole sections like here's a whole page (laughs) that he Mm. stole from this and a lot of it like he's a gay youtuber and he was stealing from queer YouTubers and, like, people who are marginalized and have trouble getting their voices out and stuff like that. He was just oh. taking their work and packaging it. And he was getting, like, $170,000 a year in Patreon. Like, oh, an insane amount of money, which he then nuked immediately, which is wild. Imagine, like, you you were so caught out that you deleted your $170,000 income. 
just like that. <laughs> You'd no I mean, other choice. I would hope <clears throat> that leaves the thief kind of actionable. Yeah, surely a crime has been committed there. Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't know how YouTube and law works and stuff like that. No, I don't know no, how many no. people are going to pursue it when now, like, his career is over. <laughs> I mean, I would ask I would ask <clears throat> Laura, but she's not that kind of solicitor. Yes, as she often reminds you. <laughs> yes. Uh, not the kind that's useful for most things on Joag, that's for not sure. The, not, not, not the kind that's useful, unless, <laughs> you know, a very narrow set of circumstances right. applies. Exactly. Uh, But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm not actually going to talk about plagiarism or James Summerton or any of that kind of stuff. I only brought that up because in that video... I was was settling in for a discussion about (laughs) plagiarism. Oh. You know what? I find it very endearing that you like trusted and leaned into me doing something on plagiarism as if somehow I was going to make that interesting for you. I thought... She's. I thought she's cooking here. Let's <laughs> let's just give her space. I appreciate that. I really do. I feel Sorry. respected. Three um, years of <laughs> weekly podcasting has given you carte blanche. I will listen. I could listen to you read the phone book, mate. You know this. Well, rest assured, it's not about plagiarism. There is a four-hour yeah. video that anyone can watch on YouTube mm. if they are interested in that particular subject. And I don't think I could add anything further to that conversation. But. Yeah. In there, there was one video that was mentioned in H-Bomber's rant that intrigued me. And not the video itself, because it was plagiarized, and actually the part of the video that wasn't plagiarized, uh, James Summerton just got completely wrong. Mm. (laughs) But the subject was what intrigued me. And the subject was a man named Floyd Collins. More specifically, it was about the gruesome death of Floyd Collins. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking. <laughs> now, <laughs> one of your most memorable and triggering cold opens on this show was about the Nutty Putty Cave. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you want to summarize Everyone, real everyone quick? loves the story of everyone Nutty Putty Cave. Do you want to just summarize it? Like, not yeah, yeah. no big detail, but for those, and for anyone who wants to hear the full thing that uh, Mark told in disturbing detail, it's episode 92. But just a quick recap, Mark. Yep. Uh, I believe this is in Utah, yes? I believe so, yeah. There's, look, humans being what they are, there is a group of of humans, every country has them, whose, you know, their their hobby, their passion, the way that they get their fulfillment is to crawl down underground through fucking ridiculously narrow, claustrophobia-inducing, just caves underground, right? And uh, our, our, the, the guy that we're talking about, John Jones, I want to say, John Smith, something like that, just the most, just a yeah, name that leaves you. Yeah, I remember it being a pretty generic name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy was a, a caver, just a fucking absolute nutter for a cave. This guy loved a cave. And, uh, you know, the worst decision this guy ever made was to take on Nutty Putty Cave, so-called because the walls are in that cave apparently were slowly, slowly moving. Everything was fluid down there, which is fucking nightmarish in itself. Anyway, our boy fucked up, <clears throat> got the directions wrong. And instead of uh, going out through the cave like he thought he was doing, he actually managed to jam himself headfirst upside down in the tightest, most claustrophobic, nightmare-inducing fucking space and he was stuck there and they tried to rescue him and they fucking tried and tried and they pulled and pushed but he 
couldn't be moved and now he's dead and he's still there because they closed the cave. He's still there. As still I speak there. to you, as you listen to this, friends, out there in Utah, there's an upside down skeleton. Yes, exactly. Heed it. <laughs> so yeah, caves, scary as fuck. Mm. I personally try to avoid them as much as possible. I can't um, remember the last time I was in a cave. I think the, la- the last time I was in a cave was in New Zealand, like five years ago or whatever. And, you know, I was promised glow worms, so I was like, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty hard to get me into a cave. But this yep. is deeply not the case for a lot of people. Caves are huge business. There are cave attractions mm. all over the world, ranging from the casual ones like I did, the, just a little rowboat ride to see some glowworms, uh, to stuff that requires years of training and expensive equipment to experience. All because people are super fascinated by what's going on in these strange, dark ecosystems beneath us. And it's I not... Can't. Go ahead. Were <laughs> I to live to 100, I will <laughs> never understand that. No, absolutely not. There's not nothing the down there that of any good to you. No. I, like, make a small camera and drop it down there if that's what there we, you go. we want to do. Small cameras you know? exist, don't they? Small cameras I've had exist. one down my throat. Yeah, right? If, I, if a camera can get down my throat, it can get down a cave. Right. They can go down your throat. The they time. can go up your ass. They can go into a cave <laughs> and find out what's down there. <laughs> they even have cameras with like little kind of directional control on them. No, 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 no. No reason for you to be in that cave, mate. Yeah. Don't need to be get there. Get on. But, yeah, this isn't a new phenomenon, though, believe it or not. Uh, mm. In the early 20th century, people fucking loved a cave. In fact, it was such big ni- business, there was a period in Kentucky history known as the Cave Wars. It was, like, literally all these, like, unscrupulous dudes trying to sell their cave as tourist destinations and undercut each other and all of this banana stuff, which is mm. just bizarro to think about. <laughs> This was such a problem. They have a name for that period of time. Again, capitalism, right? Capitalism, right? You can. If people are do want to enjoy the natural beauty of a cave, Mm. they have to be exploited to do so. If I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to die. I don't want to have to deal with smarmy dudes on the way down. So Floyd Collins was basically born into that cave war life. His family lived. He didn't choose the cave. He didn't choose it. (laughs) His family lived four miles from a hugely popular tourist destination called Mammoth Cave, and people from all over the world came to visit. From the tender age of six, little Floyd was venturing into caves in the area solo, retrieving all kinds of Native American relics that he would bring back up to the surface and give to his father to sell to tourists. And this was everything from like arrowheads and clothing and moccasins, like all kinds of stuff would be found down in nice. those caves. Nice. So <clears throat> he made this his full-time job by the age of 10, uh, dropping out of school to continue searching for treasures in the cave system. And at age 14, a geologist hired him to help him navigate the cave system that he knew better than pretty much anyone in the whole region. And as part of this arrangement, the geologist spent the next two years teaching Floyd about geology as the teenager guided him through the caves. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good deal. This seems, uh, yeah. <clears throat> End the story here, and I think everybody yeah, will know how everything's happy. great. This is awesome. Yeah. It's just a story about <laughs> learning. <laughs> but thus Floyd Collins ended up an amateur cave expert um, an amateur only in training he was known throughout Kentucky as pretty much the foremost expert on caving mm. he was locally famous if you will 
And he was absolutely fearless when it came to squeezing himself into tight spaces and wandering around dark and dangerous places. And I do mean dangerous. On occasion, he would legit come across just straight up human remains of people who'd Mm. gone before him. Uh, There's a picture of him just like super casually looking over and handling a whole ass skeleton underground. (laughs) Just chill, you know, normal day in the life of a caver. Uh When he was 21, he discovered an absolutely gorgeous cave on his father's farmland, which he named Crystal Cave. And the the descriptions of it were like beautiful, like this like white floweriness inside of it. And yeah, if you're the first in a cave, do you get to name the cave? Is that well, it was on his land. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think okay. that's how that works. I don't think you'd like go to your neighbor's farm and find a cave and be like, this is Crystal Cave. But <laughs> it, it was his cave for yes, all intents and purposes. Um, yeah. So yeah, this gorgeous cave that he found. Um, and he hoped that this would bring tourists directly to him and, and began marketing the cave as a hot new destination. Like this basically was what people were constantly trying to do. If you find a new cave, hopefully you can get like some of that hot mammoth mm. mountain or mammoth caves tourism to come to you Who doesn't want to be the first to spelunk in a new cave right exactly and just like you know there was one um cave that was discussed in one of the articles that i read that it was like apparently just this cave being kind of on the way cut into like a percentage of the tourism to uh the mammoth cave so it's like literally mm. if you had a good spot with a good cave in it you could absolutely just like make the big bucks as a result. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know what this I motion... <laughs> Lobster hands. <laughs> Anyways, it didn't work for him. Uh, Crystal Cave, though beautiful, was only accessible by, by a super not fun wagon trail that no one wanted to drive. And he tried to take it upon himself and bought a taxi to cart folks to the cave. But, and you'll relate to this, Marco... <laughs> Poor Floyd was a ridiculously bad driver. Whoa. <laughs> I'll have you know that mm. it is currently the longest stretch between incidents on the road that I've ever enjoyed, right? Yeah, it, I'm it's... getting be- I'm getting better, mate. I haven't had an incident for a, <laughs> over a year, right? I'm proud of you. Yeah, it Thank has you. been a minute since uh, I've gotten that text message, so... <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed driving with me. Do you remember that time that I cut off like an articulated lorry? <laughs> then the guy tried to fucking swing into my lane, give me the finger, give me the horn. Oh uh, yeah, we've had a lot of driving adventures in Old yes. Brum. That's for sure. Uh, or that might have been Bristol, actually. That was when we were like driving in circles trying to figure that was, out yeah, where we were going. Yeah, that was a motorway incident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Floyd suffered the same affliction <laughs> um, okay. and so bad, according to Mental Floss, that he actually did manage to crash his car into the broad side of a barn. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> dear Floyd had a theory that all the caves in the area were actually connected to each other. So and he turned out to be right about this, by the way, the they didn't know this at the time, but it has been borne out now that, yes, in fact, all of the caves are connected to each other. So that's kind of mm. cool. Um, mm. <laughs> obviously, he's never going to live to know this. But uh, if there was a cave on their land, there was probably going to be more caves. So four years after his discovery of Crystal Cave, he found Sand Cave in 1925. Mm. And this was not a situation where it was like, oh, sweet, here's a nice ready-made cave all set up for tourists. Let me just put a sign on it and we're good to go. The entrance to this cave was about the size of a manhole. 
Um, it was like a downward entrance, mm. not like a nice little, you know, Port, tunnel. Yeah, portcullis type of <laughs> right. arch, proscenium arch. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that word. <laughs> Once inside, he had to call, crawl through spaces so tight in pitch darkness that he would have to shove one arm out in front of him and just sort of slither through on his belly. Eventually, this tight space emptied out into a larger one that dropped about 60 feet, and then he would kind of just rappel down into that um, space. So basically, he was going there every day trying to dig this cave out to make it accessible to people who weren't comfortable flattening themselves out to wriggle through the unknowable abyss while on vacation. Mm. It was the end of January, and he'd been at it for several weeks. On this particular day, he'd reached the open space of the cave, but his lantern was starting to die. So this is sand cave, yeah? This is sand cave, yes. Yeah. Um, his lantern was starting to die, so he was like, well, fuck, I better go back up then. Um, as he made his way back through the tiny crawl space, he knocked his lantern over, and the whole place was plunged into darkness. Which would basically kill me instantly from fright. Straight away. I fucking hate <laughs> just, hate nope <laughs> yeah it is oh it just gets worse and worse um this cave uh, and many cave systems not just this one in, in particular but it's so dark that uh eyes are useless and thus fish yep. that live in these caves simply do not evolve them yeah it's <laughs> live... true dark isn't it where you there is exactly a total fucking absence of any sensory input right visually yeah. yeah, which is a horrifying thought. Oh. <laughs> um, but Floyd wasn't actually super bothered by it. Uh, this had happened to him before in other caves, and he'd even been trapped in caves and needed rescue before. It was not at all his first rodeo in, in this happening. He just Would you continued... go blind if you, were, if you were stuck down there? Would you go blind eventually? I don't, I don't think you'd go blind. I think that, like, probably, though, once you came out, you'd be insanely sensitive to light. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might, I mean, because there are some things that it's like they're so accustomed to dark that they have really good vision. So, you know, there mm. might be. I don't know if our eyes adapt like that, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, he continued trying to work his way back out but of course he couldn't see what he was doing so he tried to push off from what he assumed was the cave wall but it turned out to be a loose 27 pound rock and there the rock is. fell and wedged his ankle into the tunnel that's all for floyd yep stuck in what his brother likened to a chimney that only fit the size of his body and what the national park service referred to as a stone straitjacket. Floyd began a horrible ordeal that would last more than two weeks. 18 days, in fact. Yo. Now, Mark, I'm going to read you this description from Mental Floss of what happened initially because it makes my skin crawl, my heart mm. speed up, and my lungs ache. It is just oh, such a horrific description. So, the explorer tried to breathe. He was effectively blind. His head sat directly below the 10-foot pit, and the cave hugged the rest of his body like a straitjacket. His left arm was pinned under his torso, his right by the rock ceiling above. He could not reach behind or ahead, nor could he roll over. Whenever he struggled, rocks tumbled into the abyss behind him or piled onto his feet. Under him, razor-like shards dug into his skin. 
With his body wrapped in this stony cocoon, Collins clawed at the cave walls. Blood seeped from his fingernails. He began to sweat and then shiver until exhaustion swept him to sleep. He began a tormenting routine. Sleep, wake, scream. Sleep, wake, scream. Minutes melted into hours. His voice disappeared. His arms tingled numb and pain radiated up his ankle. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm to uh, obviously you know fucking it's not a visual medium but as you were <laughs> as you were describing that literally my head back eyes closed trying to fucking visualize this and it's it's horrid yeah it is truly and there are so many details i'll mention this again but in our blog of course i link to my sources for this mm. and if you read the details in many of these articles they're just so grim and gory and scary <laughs> It is truly one of the most horrifying ways to go, especially over a long period of time. I guess, like, you know, these guys who do fucking crazy shit like free climbing, you Mm -hmm. know, that knobhead who walked between the World Trade Center on a tightrope, that guy. Mm -hmm. If you're doing stuff like this, like Floyd, like our boy in Utah, you've got to be comfortable with the idea of death. You've got to be comfortable with the idea that at any fucking point the very worst thing you could possibly ever conceive of happening could happen. Right. Which, like, you know, even with with stuff like, yeah, like, for one, no. I'm not that guy. Hard pass, not going to be me. Uh, I am not going to die doing what I love, thanks. (laughs) No. Uh, That's, I love podcasting. Uh, So, (laughs) but, yeah, like, you know, when it comes to those things like free soloing or, you know, the walking across the wires, both of these things, which I have watched on the big screen and yeah, <laughs> terrified yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. When I went and saw the the Joseph Gordon-Levitt one, I went and saw it in uh, the IMAX um, uh-huh. yeah. at the, the Hollywood theater with the hands. And it was, there's like a scene where two of them are like sitting on um, a beam in the unfinished World Trade Center. And so it's just like straight down underneath them. And then someone comes and nearly catches them and they have to throw like a blanket over them. And they look down and I seriously like nearly fell out of my chair and threw up. (laughs) It was the scariest thing I have ever seen in my life. And I'm not even afraid of heights. (laughs) So when when Rumble then, that's what this guy would do. He would fucking hide under a blanket, sat on a beam. They had no choice. (laughs) Yeah, they did. I mean, they did. They could have not done that. Yeah. They very much had a choice. Yes. We all have a choice to do that or not. Right. Exactly. So don't In that tell particular me they didn't situation, have a yes. he yes, didn't yes, have a choice. Uh, it was that or get arrested before do the thing. But yeah. that's to say, in those situations, if you fall off of that thing, you maybe have, you know, 30 seconds of screaming, crying, throwing up, and then splat, as yeah. opposed to caves. <laughs> Where, like, yeah, that's true. That's you true, may be true. stuck for a really long time when yeah. you, when things go wrong. Like, that's one of the things that makes caves especially scary to me is that it's like you're not just going to you're not going to instantly die in a cave most yeah. of the time. Like if you dropped yeah. into that 60 foot cavern, sure, maybe. But like if you get stuck. Yeah, you make a great point. I mean, <laughs> think about the Ocean's Gate fools. Right. Exactly. A horrible way to go. Mm-hmm. But a quick way to go. Yeah, it could have that could have gone one of two ways. Could have been a yeah. really quick like, oh, didn't even know it happened, or yeah. that could have been a horrifying, you know, however yeah. many days that they were down there stuck in that thing. Um, I think, yeah, if I'm gonna go doing something, I would rather it be quick than be 
just yeah. slowly dying for weeks at a time. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get involved in a hobby with such high stakes. No, no, I don't think I don't. so. No, I, I don't even like don't flying. So you know, mm. that's a that's about as high stakes as I let my hobbies get is flying to see you for a con or something. Like that. <laughs> but I think you know when I th- I don't know if it's folly of youth or what. Or, or, but I used to just chuck myself off stuff as a kid, just climb up <laughs> stuff and jump off it. Hey, look at this! Way jump off something. I, I would definitely do that when I was young, and I paid the price for it. Gave myself two black eyes <laughs> once jumping off of a there thing. But, like, I don't think ever something that was, like, high enough I would die, you know? No, certainly not. Like, I don't necessarily think I was, like, terrified of, like, injuring myself so much. But, like, yeah, if I thought I would die, I wouldn't do it. No. Which is <laughs> which is healthy, I think. That's Yeah, right? Like, a, a little bit of danger, but not so much you die. Yes. The illusion <laughs> of danger. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, anyway. Uh... This guy is tearing himself to bits and screaming himself hoarse, trying to get someone to find him. And obviously, being in a cave on his own farmland, shit could have gone real bad right out the gate because there was really no way for anyone to know he was down there. He hadn't, like, said anything about it. Of course not. However, he had hung up his jacket on a stone outside of the cave opening. And when he didn't come home all night or in the morning, neighbors went out looking and found the jacket. So they figured... Mm. He must be down the hole. He'd been down there for almost 30 hours when a 17-year-old volunteer managed to get close enough in the cave to call Floyd's name. But as you can imagine, while small enough to fit, he was scared absolutely shitless by the tight little chimney tunnel and couldn't muster Mm. up the courage to go any further. And this happened over and over and over guys kept trying to go down after him but they were too terrified to squeeze in which is obviously smart (laughs) they should have Mm. been terrified that's how floyd got stuck um but people started to gather and argue over what they could do to try to get him out and this is a theme throughout this whole story people would show up to help and then just fight with each other instead of actually doing anything. <laughs> like I get that it's a stressful situation and they were trying not to kill or maim the guy, but like men, <laughs> they needed some women there to just yep. be like, we're just going to fucking do this. Um, but anyway, Floyd's brother Homer came home to find all these guys at the cave and immediately got right in there. I don't know if he'd grown up just as accustomed to caving as Floyd or was just compelled by brotherly love, but he did not hesitate. Uh, When the opening got too small, he just took off his clothes and kept going until he made it to Floyd. That's the guy. That's the kind of guy you want on your crew, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Just like he's in. He's going to he's going to try to save the day. (laughs) I grow to keep a willy. Exactly. Grease himself up. (laughs) Grease me up, woman. Anyway, the problem was that there really was no good way to approach pulling him out. Neither head first. Simpsons, man. I know, right? You just reference, we all know what you're talking about immediately. Cultural fucking impact. Huge, huge cultural footprint. It's true. I, like, twice a week think, I gotta, I just gotta, like, rewatch the first, like, 13 seasons or whatever Mm. of that show, you know? Just, like dedicate myself to it um but anyways also like i can't remember if i mentioned this on here but no i i had 
posted on Blue Sky, but like it used to be that like every day at six and six thirty, uh, yeah. The Simpsons was on on like yeah. broadcast TV. And yes. I like I very much miss that. That it was just like while cooking dinner every day, you'd just have The Simpsons on. Like, oh, yep. it's so nice. Every Sunday evening on Skype, new episodes of The Simpsons. Oh That's yes, of be. course. I mean, we still have that. Like every Sunday, yes. there's new episodes on Fox. But it was the reruns every, every single day, six and six thirty, mm. reruns of The Simpsons. It was oh, amazing. So, <clears throat> anyways, Floyd. I mean, uh, Homer, his brother, <laughs> takes his clothes off gets to Floyd, but there was no good way to approach pulling him out, neither head first nor feet first, and there was no way to get to Floyd's hands or legs because of the way that I described that he was uh, stuck in there. He's basically on top of his his hands. Uh, so the Homer called up for some food to be brought down, and he fed his brother uh, before trying to remove the rocks himself to no avail. When he emerged, his fingers were stripped to ribbons from trying mm. to pull out all of that rock. Which is like, just like, you know, I think if you're a person with a sibling, like, it's so heartbreaking. Like, I, I'm, if I oh, imagine, like, my little sister stuck in a situation like that, like, I would absolutely be in the, like, same position, just tearing myself to shreds to try to get her out of there. Mm. So, like, I just, like, really feel for poor Homer trying to get his brother out of this situation. Um, and meanwhile, more and more dudes were assembling to try to figure things out. Both the National Park Service and Mental Floss have super detailed down-to-the-day and hour recounts of what went on. So I'm not going to delve into, like, every last part of it because this podcast Mm. would be, like, four (laughs) hours long if I did that. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the gist. There were all sorts of suggestions on how to get Floyd out, all of which were complicated by, A, the potential for the cave to collapse on him, and B, the potential for him to be horribly injured or killed in the attempt. Um, and of course, the sort of third complication of that is all of these men fighting <laughs> over whose idea was the best and all of this kind mm. of stuff. And who gets the rights to the fucking cave afterwards? No, <laughs> oh, I'm sure that crossed mm. people's minds. Um, so a newsman came who went by the name of Skeets Miller, so-called because he was thin and wiry like a mosquito. <laughs> and he weighed just 112 pounds. That's, hang on, that's how we got the name Skeets, because yeah, he was thin like he a was mosquito. Yeah, because he was thin and wiry like a mosquito, <laughs> so they called him Skeets. <laughs> Tell you what, when I think mosquitoes, I immediately think thin. Ah, these are th- the thin ones, yeah, the thin insects. <laughs> I mean, they've they're got little leggies, thin little leggies. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's how we talked, I don't know. I fucking hate mosquitoes, man. Oh, <laughs> oh it just made me think about my last holiday. I, oh. I was thinking about that because for whatever reason, while we were in Puerto Rico last week, Keo kept getting bit by mosquitoes, and normally I'm the one who gets eaten by them, but mm. I got like two bites the entire time we were there, and I was just thinking about you and your massive apparent mosquito allergy. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's something that I'll never, ever, ever forget, right? And <laughs> it... My 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 abiding memory of it, the thing that sticks with me is I remember, it, like in the middle of the night, actually stopping and trying to kind of explore and 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 kind of categorize the pain because it was a brand new sensation. Never felt anything fucking like it in my life. It was fucking horrible. It was it was an itch to the point where it was fucking burning, like a mm-hmm. burning itch. It was vile. I wanted to cut my fucking legs off. It was minging. Mm. Fun fun times. Mm. Uh, Skeets would not be as cute a nickname to you as. No, uh, I, 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 I hate the guy. 
well, you're going to like him because Skeets okay. is good people. <laughs> uh, when he arrived, he approached Homer, telling him he had heard he was the brother of the guy stuck in the cave. And exasperated, Homer told him that he could go talk to him if he wanted. Like, basically, get out of my face. If you're, if you're so interested, go fucking into the cave and talk to him. Uh, and Skeets fucking did it. <laughs> the tiny little man slid down the cave and made it all the way to Homer. Uh, seeing how dire the situation was, he became less interested in the story and more interested in in getting Floyd the fuck out of there. Like, just on, super Skeets. good dude. Like, it's like, yes, yes, oh, yes. I'm here to do a little interview with you. Holy shit, we gotta get you out of this cave. <laughs> um, they struck up something of a tragic friendship with Floyd coming to call Skeets fella as the rescue effort went on, his little term of endearment. Um, and Skeets did interview Floyd as he spent days and days working to try to rescue him, and the story caught fire immediately. I don't think I, I'm not clear on where we are currently in historical. Kentucky. To, oh, historically. Like, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, we are. Wise. This is uh, 1925. Okay. Fine. fine, fine yes. Good. 1925, Kentucky. Um, so the Skeets, who had before this been writing police blotters for a small town pape, was now writing for the whole country. Wow. And I cannot begin to fully express to you how huge this story was. Floyd became one of the most famous people in the whole of the United States, um, plays and congressional proceedings would be paused to give updates on his situation. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, people would gather um, to watch, like, news tickers out on the streets to make sure that they could find out what was going on. You'd find people, like, in the windows of, like, the local news places just waiting for updates. Uh, oh, the wow. president was invested in what was going on. The state of who Kentucky... Was, who would have been the president of the 1920s? Who would... 1925... Blah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. <laughs> you look that up. Like Jimmy Carter. Uh, <laughs> the man's old, <laughs> but he's not that old. <laughs> uh, the president in 1925 was Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge. There you go. Um, that's one of those presidents that I tend to forget about. Um, did so, you get that right, listeners? I'm, I'm, I'm certain there's yeah, some I'm of sure listeners who would have had a punt at that. Yeah. If you did, if you got that right, give yourself 20 Joag points. Ooh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It can be Absolutely. redeemed for prizes. Let us know. Um, <laughs> this is like on my list of things that like I want to do is I want to read a book about each of the presidents in order so that then oh. like when these things come up, it'll be like, yeah, I know who that president was at that time i never learned like people learned like fun little songs in school to like teach you as the president i never learned any of those so this is one of my uh, resolutions of sorts i don't think you're ever gonna do that <gasps> <laughs> he said thereby ensuring it right <laughs> just like okay well <laughs> check in with me at the end of 2024 when i have read a book about every all 45 presidents or 46 right. presidents <laughs> get that in the blog <laughs> anyways <clears throat> that negging aside um <laughs> the state of kentucky offered unlimited funds to the effort to get him out of the cave blank check whatever you need to do and, surprise, surprise, the site became a tourist attraction. Of course it did. People were selling trinkets and snacks and drinks to folks standing yeah. around watching. And February 8th, 1925 became known as Carnival Sunday as 10,000 people 
showed up at the cave to watch the rescue effort. Wow. 10,000. Would have been really wow. nice if all those people just came to Crystal Cave and he didn't have to go through all of this. Yeah. Had to be a guy yeah. nearly dead inside to get them there. Listen, people stuck in a cave still to this day attracts fucking really huge does. global news interest. Yeah. The you Thai know, the... kids, the Chilean exactly. miners. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You... I think there was something in India recently. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We fixate on people in caves because it's just like the scariest thing you can imagine. And it's yeah, like it so is. touch and go. Like, yeah. you know, people. One someone thing, almost always dies. No one can. There, there's no one who likes the idea of dying in a cave. No. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? It's 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 the great kind of universal. It's the one thing we've <laughs> we all, all got in common. We all have that in common. It? Yeah. <laughs> so this rescue effort simply wasn't working. They'd started trying to pull him out with a rope, warning him that his foot might come right the fuck off in the process, which initially, like, when they said, like, you know, you're, you're, we might yank your whole ass foot off. And he was like, yeah, great, fine, whatever. Fuck and on. then when it came time, they were tying the rope around him and everything. He was like, I don't know if I want that. But they just gave him, like, really strong drugs and were like, they're there. And they tied the rope it, around they him. They would have been good in 1925. <clears throat> yeah, right. I can only imagine in what they, the guy was, right, <laughs> that guy was seeing Muppets and whatnot. He was having, <laughs> having a great time. Not enough, though. When they started pulling him, it caused his back to arch in an unnatural L shape. And he was oh. in so much pain that he actually managed the strength to wrench the rope right out of the hands of his rescuers. With his body. It's not like he could, like, pull. He was in so much pain, he managed to yank back hard enough that the rope just dropped from their hands. Wow. So that, that didn't work. The guy tried to convince them to, to keep going with that, like, we'll just do it a little differently or whatever. But the many... The other thing about all these guys who were standing around fighting about this stuff is, like, they were drinking. Like, a good chunk of them were just shit-faced while all of this was happening, too. So they're just, like, belligerently fighting each other about how Hooting they're going to hollering. get this guy. Yeah, straight up. Like, they were drinking moonshine. That was, like, amongst the... They were, it said that they had, like, like water crackers and moonshine were the only foods available to them at the site of this. So these guys are just getting yeah. wasted and crackers fighting over crackers. this. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and like so much of this is like you kind of wonder if like just a few circumstances were different if they would have been able to get this guy out of here and it would have been yep. like a totally different story um, but when the guy wanted to tie the rope around him and try again all the drunks were like no not this time <laughs> and they did not let him do it uh, so then um, <clears throat> oh by the way I just wanted to to point out this little side note, while this was happening, Homer mm. was having people bring Floyd food, right? Sure. But every single one of them was chickening out and lying about it. They were just shoving the food and blankets and stuff into the walls and coming back literally being like, he's in great spirits. Love the food. Nom, nom, nom. Oh. <laughs> not telling anyone, like, I didn't make it. He has not eaten. And no. <laughs> Yeah. I I believe that would be to his benefit. Because if you're eating food, you're getting bigger. He needs to be not eating food. Sure, yeah. But I think it's a fine line between that and starvation. <laughs> like, mm, he's, for yes. weeks, not getting any food. Uh, so, you know, that's 
he should be at least having something while he's down there. Um, mm. And Homer had no idea that nobody was actually giving him anything. It was like later on, I think after everything was found that like it might have even been um, Skeets who like went down there and was like, what is with all the food and blankets tucked into the cave and realized that no one had been feeding him this whole time. Jerks. <sighs> so anyway, Skeets then tried using various jacks to try to get him out, uh, nice. two of which ended up being too big and one of which was too small. And so he tried like sort of using wooden blocks to make up for the size of the jack to kind of, you know, press against the wall. Mm. Um, but the whole process was causing him excruciating pain to like his whole body, especially his abdomen and back, like, and his hands, and he was struggling with this, but he vowed to keep trying until his body completely gave out, uh, which was essentially what happened. Um, he had managed at times to get the rock to lift like just a little bit, uh, while Floyd cheered him on, saying, you can do it, fella. I believe in you, fella. Uh, but eventually, uh, Skeets collapsed, and he couldn't do it anymore. He was never able to get the rocks more than just like, you know, a little... Yeah, yeah bit off of the his ankle um as the work continued and people came and went from the cave the structural integrity was compromised uh and eventually the opening collapsed um so they would have to go in from another angle and this was obviously risky because it could easily collapse further so they only used manual to manual tools in order to prevent further destabilization from heavy machinery. You know, you don't want to just take a jackhammer to this no, no. already delicate uh, cave or whatever the equivalent of a jackhammer was in 1925. I don't know. Maybe they had them. They had a lot of machinery. Um, and for days, they drilled bit by bit down into the cave. I think from what I recall, I could be wrong, but I think it was they estimated it would take like 54 hours to get down there just using picks and shovels to get in there. Um, and finally, they were able to reach Floyd and found him dead. Fuck's sake. Yep. He had been dead probably for about three days at that <sighs> point, uh, succumbing to the elements because it was February and it was freezing at the time. So just open it up and womp. Uh, the guy just had to cut. Like, the guy literally came to the top and just shook his head and said dead when he got there. <clears throat> uh, ah. <laughs> okay, well. 10,000 people like, oh. Everybody go home. <laughs> uh, and people had been capitalizing off the orde uh, ordeal the whole time. Journalists who couldn't get a scoop would just straight make up stories about what was going on. Uh, there were rumors circulating that Floyd wasn't down there and it was a hoax to drum up publicity. Uh, others You'd said get that, that today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you would a million percent get that today. 100%, yeah. I mean, that is, like I told you the story of Balloon Boy a couple months ago. That is what happened mm, with that. There was no kid yes, in the balloon. Yes, it was yes, a lie. Yes. Um, and with all these unscrupulous cave guys, like, absolutely they would have made up something like that. So it's not, like, that much of a stretch mm. to think that. Um, there were rumors circulating um, that he was murdered by a rival cave owner and, and left stuff. down there. Yeah, yeah. Yep, just shoved dead Plausible. body down there. Uh, once the whole thing was over and they sealed up the entrance to the cave, many of the rescuers then toured the country with circuses, telling the daring tales of bravery and heroism in trying to save Floyd Wilson. 
Homer, too, joined the sideshows, but he did it not for the fame and fortune, but just to raise money to try to exhume Floyd's body and lay it to rest because they had made absolutely nothing off of all of this, says everybody else was profiting from the situation. And eventually, Floyd's father sold the farmland a little too early because soon the U.S. government would buy up all of that land to create a national park, and he would have gotten considerably more money for it. But he sold the farmland and had to make a deal with the person who bought it that Floyd's body would be exhumed and then put on display in a glass case for tourists to come and see it. I hate this story. It's awful. Uh, Yeah, eventually, I mean, that happened, and eventually his body was stolen by grave robbers... (laughs) who, for whatever reason, then tried to throw it in a river. Uh, <laughs> I guess it wasn't the body they wanted. I don't know what he was buried with. but uh, Poor Floyd. <laughs> poor Floyd. However, it got stuck in a tree, uh, and he was recovered, and they were finally able to lay poor Floyd, the famous corpse, to rest. Where is he now? Uh, he's buried somewhere Good. in Kentucky. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> I Good. hope I hope that he has like a nice like mausoleum or something and yes, like I in, I hope that they where they've buried him is now the, the you know the Floyd something something memorial cemetery or something I, I hope he's got <laughs> the a, Floyd a Collins memorial yeah. cemetery yeah yes. I I think that he earned that after all of that let me quote directly from my notes if I may yes please do fucking look at these nerds oh mise en scène anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Didn't enjoy that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't like any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single good detail in that whole thing, except that Dear Skeets was a yeah was a mensch. I, yes, and I hope Skeets, you know, I hope he his lineage remembers yeah. him. You know what's crazy too about Skeets? I, I didn't mention in there. Um, welcome to Jack of All Graves, everybody. What's crazy oh, about Skeets too is that he was offered like oh he won a Pulitzer for the story. Cool. which is incredible, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, biggest story of the year and all that stuff. So, again, this guy who was just, like, writing down, like, oh, so-and-so stole something from the A&P you know, in the newspaper suddenly has a Pulitzer for this case that he went down uh, to work on. But then he was offered, like, a, a job with, like, the AP or something like that with some, like, major press organization uh, that would have paid him a ton of money, and he just went, nah, and just went back to the paper he there came from. It so is there is just, a hero in this town. Yes, there is a hero. And it is our little mosquito man. Do you remember the mosquito ringtone? Yes, I do. This is one of the like the weirder getting older things. Um, mm. That so like, you know, my husband is like 12 years older than me, right? Um, is he older than I am? Yes. Yeah, he's 51. Oh, 
51. What the yeah. fuck, man? He does not look it. <laughs> I know, right? He keeps it tight. This uh, it, work, it works out. <laughs> um, nice, listen, I did not realize how much older he was than me when, you know, I developed a crush on him when I was in college. And then it was a big surprise. <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> not the point. Um, you know, he used to teach a sound design class. And, and uh-huh. in it, he would have like, he used the mosquito ringtone for something. And it was in a PowerPoint, right? But at this point, I was like 24 uh, and he was like 36 or whatever, you know, and he would be going through his slides before going to class. And all of a sudden I'd be like, ah, and he had no idea that he had that slide on and was playing the mosquito ringtone. And so it was driving Uh, me crazy and Mm. he couldn't hear it. I recently went and I like listened to it for myself and I was like, oh, God, I can't hear the mosquito ringtone. Oh, I'm going to try. I'm an old. First thing I'm going to do is try. (laughs) You won't be able to hear it and it's going to be upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird, weird moment to be like, oh, I remember when it was like, oh, I was the the young newlywed who couldn't hear the mosquito ringtone. And now, yeah, I'm an old. Well, you're not, are you? Eh, Depends on who you ask. Yeah. If you ask a 24 year old, I'm probably pretty old. Yeah, I... uh, (laughs) It's great having kids. They they <laughs> are not fucking shy about telling you how old and decrepit you are. Right. I love that. Have you seen that meme? It's like one of my favorite things. It makes me laugh every time I see it. It's a Tumblr conversation. And someone <laughs> says, um, like, do you guys remember when you would go over to your friend's house just to like experience the internet together or to like just to look at computers. I don't even says the internet. Like you would just go to your friend's house to look at the computer and then you'd go home. And then the response is someone saying, how old are you guys? And the person responds, just regular amount. <laughs> like that's how I feel. I remember going over to my friend Devin's house and like spending hours just doing the little voice, th- like automated voice on oh, the yeah, Mac, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like the old imax with the big yeah. colorful thing it was like oh yeah, you can make it like, say stuff um, polo mints jolly ranchers yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you can yeah. make it say stuff in a different voice just like do that all <laughs> afternoon <laughs> yeah i mean I, look i've said it before i i i think that's an amazing thing i think <laughs> being the last generation to have actually you know experienced yeah, different formats of things yeah right yeah it was like deeply not a given at all there was a whole conversation that came up about this on um, on Blue Sky because someone had said something about how like, you know, Gen Z and Alpha and stuff like that, like they are truly digital natives and all that stuff, but they're not good at computers. They're not good with technology. No, not at all. And this is a thing that has always fascinated me. Um, you know, I think I've told this before on here, but like <laughs> when I was teaching, sometimes I would give like a PD, assign a PDF to the class, right? And sometimes they were scanned the wrong way, right? And, like, what do you do when it's scanned the wrong way? Uh, what, when a PDF is backwards? Like, when it's just, like, sideways, right? If a PDF is oh, just sideways. Ro- just rotate it. It's no problem. Just rotate it, right? Yeah. What do you That's... think my students did? Oh, uh, don't tell me they moved. They turned the monitor around. They turned their computers. <laughs> they would flip their entire laptops on their sides. Uh, um, Alan, Alan and I have shared plenty of examples of this. And yeah. one that I just can't get over <clears> is... is and I, oh, fuck, I even hate saying this because I sound like an old cunt. But uh, uh, the, the the concept of holding shift down and then pressing a letter for a capital letter is gone. It's caps lock, letter, caps lock now. 
Do they really? Yes. You hit three <laughs> keys for a capital letter. Caps lock your letter yeah. and then caps lock again. Holding I've also heard that they have key. like no sense of um, copy paste. Like they oh, don't, the they shortcut. have no idea yeah, yeah. how to do that. Right clicks all the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah. that's, come on, seriously. But like, here's the thing about why I say this in a way that's not a, an old person, like, oh, those youths thing. Yeah, yeah. I always liken this to the fact that none of us can change our oil, you know, whereas like boomers Wouldn't can. Right. Mm. Like, because they had like shop in class and like, where were you going to take it if you didn't know how to change your oil? Where it's like, by the time we learn to drive, there's a jiffy lube on every corner or whatever. What do you got? What's your quick oil? What's it? Quick fit? Quick fit. There's a quick Quick fit fit or, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Never corner. And now I don't know if quick fit is still around. Hang on. <laughs> oh no, another way to feel old. My point is, like, it's not yes. necessarily a like, like kids aren't dumber or anything like that. It's simply not having to build skills because yeah. it's it's built in for you, right? Like, yep. you never have to troubleshoot a thing. Whereas, like, when we had to, you know, if I wanted to play Jill of the Jungle, I had to go into DOS and be like C slash, like, you know, run, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff and start over. So, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating concept to me. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything. Hi. Welcome to Jack of All Graves. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Jack of All Graves. Hello. We are, this is a vibe check episode, we've decided. Look. We told you that December, we, it's kind of like when you just turn up for school in the last day of, of, of the year and you're just bringing games and watching movies and doing fuck all. This is kind of the vibe of Joag mm-hmm. and it's going to be the vibe until January. So yeah, realistically. get comfy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We we want you to come along with us and to let your mind wander. Let okay. your, you know, let, let just don't focus too much on what we're saying, right? Just enjoy <laughs> that we're here. Just enjoy this time that we have together. Exactly. Because... This is all that matters for the next however long we're talking. I like to imagine that, you know, it's December 17th, maybe December 18th, Mm. if you're listening to this uh, in the morning after it comes out. I like to imagine that people are, you know, maybe sitting wrapping some presents while listening to this, you know, going going and picking up whatever their Christmas meal is from the grocery store. Like Perhaps you've just come in from caroling, maybe, in your... Right. Shaking the snow off your earmuffs, you know, and your <laughs> nose is all red. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. What better now? Oh, I'll settle down with Joag and a nice <laughs> cup of warm nog. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, What could be better than that? So if that's not oh. what you're doing right now, like, honestly, will you go go get yourself a cup of nog or a hot chocolate? nog, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and, and find some presents to wrap, like, even if you're, like, Jewish or Muslim or something like that. Like, just, like, r- yeah. put some paper around something. Um, just, well, just humor us, will you? For hum- fuck's sake. Humor us just to get in the zone of, like, where our heads are right yes. now. <laughs> oh, I am ready are. for it, mind. I'm... I'm... I'm I'm in the spirit. I'm very much in the spirit. Yes, I am. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I love to hear that. Because earlier on, when I <laughs> went to Little Tesco, not to be confused <laughs> with Big Tesco, they're the same shop, just sure. different sizes. And <laughs> as I was in the car, I saw a tractor, right? A fucking a farm tractor. And it had a gigantic ass fucking inflatable snowman in the in the in the kind of the lifty bit, the, the cup scoopy bit. Uh, oh, and I was like and that site, that very site specifically. That was it. <laughs> tipped me over the edge. And now I'm Christmassy <laughs> as fuck right now. I love that. I've been, you know, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. Hallmark movie season. I've been watching all my Hallmarks. Um, yeah. 
you know, enjoying that. It's been a little, we'll get into it, but it's been a little bit of a crazy couple of weeks around here. So it's like the vibe is not like completely on. Mm. We haven't decorated. Um, we had to, haven't put the tree up, like anything like that. Um, so like, my, what's nice, my next door neighbors who have not decorated in years put some lights up. Uh, so that's a little, that's kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what I found happened them, to them. I wonder why I, this year. Well, they had their first child four oh. years ago um, <laughs> and then another one two years ago. And I think this is finally when they've settled, yeah. settled in a little it. bit. I went out and Matt was... Um, was like standing there and I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to put lights up, but like half the, the you know, string isn't working. And I don't know, like, what do I test every single, like, what's my, what do I do with this? So I come outside like an hour later, like two hours later and the house is done. He's put all the lights up and I come out and I go, oh, you fixed it. And he goes, I did not. I just got back from Home Depot and bought an entirely ah. new string of lights instead. Nice job, Very nice. Like, Listen, this is how Christmassy <clears throat> the scene is here with me right now. Mm. As I speak to you, as we fucking chat on TV in front of me is this year's Royal Variety performance. That's how fucking Christmassy Ooh, that this is. That sounds festive. Uh, you don't, oh, right, obviously you don't know what it is, do you? Right, the Royal know. Variety performance. Um, uh, British entertainment tradition... Uh, and around about this time, they film it like in the middle of summer, so it's all weird. <laughs> but they show it at Christmas every single year in the in a, a theater in London, Royal Albert Hall this year. And oh, I've a been load... there. So have I. It's great. Beautiful, beautiful. I feel thing. like it's more interesting that I've been there than you, to be honest. What did you see there? Uh, Death Cab. Ooh, very nice. <clears throat> I saw Ghost there, and it was amazing. One of the best gigs of my life. Um, but the Royal Variety Poems is just basically a a menu, like a tasting menu of light entertainment. Okay. So you'll get, you know, your fucking uh, talent contest winner will traditionally go on there and do a turn. Uh, <laughs> in Ventriloquists, illusionists, oh comedians, <laughs> singers. You'll have a fucking school choir, no doubt. You'll sure. have, you know. And this is all for the pleasure of the monarch who <laughs> is in the fucking box, right. politely clapping at, at, at the banality before them right <laughs> and every single year the royal variety performance will you can fucking set your watch by it will play host to at least two or three of my most hated types of entertainment right i've got i've got that let me think impressionists right okay no respect for your trade none at all <laughs> What the fuck? Who's going to really want to see that? You pretending to be someone else, to purring on a stupid voice. I know you're not that person. So, <laughs> yeah, so you really got to have a, a good if you can bit sound if, a that's bit gonna, like them. if that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I've always hated impressionists. I've always fucking hated them. That's no way to make your fortune, mate. Sounding a bit like someone else. No way to live your life. Um, second thing I hate is magicians and magic. Hate okay. it. Fucking hate it. Have I ever said, have we ever spoken on this? I don't know if we have. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it feels kind of on brand, but I enjoy like a, I enjoy a magic. I mean, it depends on the vibe of the magician, right? Like, because yes. a lot of magicians yes. have the same sleazy ass vibe that We've I We've totally like. spoke about this. We've spoken about this very recently. I do not recall this at all, but sure, we maybe we about, have. The fuck is his name? David Blaine in the box? Oh, well, yeah, we talked about making David Blaine happy. <laughs> <laughs> That was we a different did. conversation altogether. It had nothing to do with but magicians. <laughs> in the same in the same way as I hate impressionists, I know you're not that person, so fuck off. Sure. I hate magicians. I know it isn't magic. It's a fucking trick. So 
That's a silly reason it. to dislike magicians. No, it isn't. They're doing <laughs> something that's like they're tricking your eye. Like yeah, that's a cool thing to be able to do. You've spent your whole life learning to do all that, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it isn't magic. So why? <laughs> it's they're not tra- they. <laughs> They're not, it's not like Santa Claus. They're not trying to actually convince you it's magic. It's a, Didn't you watch Arrested Development? Illusions, Michael. Illusions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, not, it's not magic Michael. tricks. Tricks are what a whore does for money. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I think the, the answer to every single question raised by magic is it's a trick. And that's all... I care about it might be a really well executed trick it might be super fucking you know the dexterity and the presence of mind and the kind of the you know the the what's the word i'm looking for distraction and the misdirection all right all that's great but it's just a trick i don't care this kind of makes me a little sad mark (laughs) Uh, where is your whimsy no 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 no. I, i whimsy for me is something that's organic and natural you can't force whimsy you can't practice whimsy it's ersatz whimsy otherwise true whimsy is just enjoying the randomness and the ebb and flow of life that's great but oh i wonder where he got that dog from on the stage uh, it probably came out of that fucking box he sat on didn't it it's just a trick i don't care well fine. let me see what else i enjoy, I hate I enjoy magi- magician hate magicians hate impressionists let me think there is another one that i really hate as well but i can't think of them right now hypnotists jugglers nope. No, oh, no, jugglers, complete respect. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just naming things that you might see in a variety show. Ventriloquists. Did we say ventriloquists? That's the one. Yep. That's the fucking, that's the one. <laughs> I hate ventriloquists and magicians <laughs> and impressionists. There you go. These are the things I hate. I think I, do, I, I don't like, I think like the only famous ventriloquist in modern times is like the very mm. annoying guy jeff dunham who's like just Ugh. right-wing nonsense um yeah, 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 that's yeah. like very lowest common denominator thing but i think like i again kind of like the magician thing i like the concept of something that you like practice and that's like kind of creepy like ventriloquism mm. is like a very creepy thing to do um, it, is. Like, it is it is you know I, but at the end of the day i know that wait, there's like the dummy ain't talking i know well, unless it's like that movie Magic with Anthony Hopkins, in which case that line is very blurry. Yes. But, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think I enjoy watching ventriloquists. I wouldn't say I hate them, but, uh, you know, well, I, it just doesn't bug If I think me on it, so. maybe I don't hate them, but I would never, ever <laughs> like, give one Intentionally my buy money. a ticket, no. sure. But you're quite right sense. in what you say about it. It's, it's the vibe of the magician that, that, that if, yeah. if I'm going to enjoy a magician, it's going to be because the guy is ridiculous. Yeah, I, um, I love Justin Willman, who does the show Magic for Humans on, on Netflix, and he's actually mm. coming to the Wellmont at Montclair. I might actually Ooh. go and see him. But he's just like a goofy guy, kind of reminds me of Ben, who uh, <laughs> does like very silly things. Like he has a whole segment called Magic for Susans, where he just finds a Susan on the street and does a magic trick for her. That like, I like. You know, see like, also, you know, like Chris Angel, Mind Freak. Yes, I'm all yeah, about that. Fucking know. amazing. Just, yeah, David Blaine. Like, there's, like, people who it's, like, it's hard not to enjoy Chris what Angel. the fuck they're doing. his name C-R-I-S-S. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. <laughs> I saw someone wearing a Chris Angel shirt on a, a train in the year Sorry, of our Lord, Chris 20 Angel, and 23. Freak. Chris Angel, Give me please. In <laughs> 2023. I was like, goddamn. Okay. <laughs> um, I... I tell you this now, right? And strike me down if it doesn't come to pass. Mm. Uh, if 
it, when I come out there next September, I will come out there wearing a Chris Angel Mind Freak t-shirt. Got it. Okay, we're put it in your right? your notes. It's got to be for like a month before. Yeah. To be like, buy Chris Angel Mind Freak shirt. You uh, will have read a book on every single president. Yes, and you will have your Chris Angel Mind yes. Freak shirt because that's his full name, Chris Angel Hyphen Mind Freak. He's it's kind of hyphenated. He was Chris Angel. He married a, a something Mind Freak, and they didn't want to. Chris Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> Oh my god, that is my head cannon, and I love it. <laughs> His wife insisted, so or um, you know, husband. We're gonna we'll talk like New Year things and stuff like that. But just on that note of these resolutions, I love New Year's resolutions. So mm. you know, you give me a thing like this, and and I'm on board. I feel like it's a, along with my very you know I have my thing about like zeros and fives, only being able to start something on like a zero and a five in the time. Yeah. It's like I I love a a hard start. You know, like I am very on board for like here is a distinct zero for me to start on. Yep, to Let's whack go. it straight up to ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. A lot of people like just think they're ridiculous or whatever, and I'm like, no, well, I love it. I we'll, love starting. Well, why don't we track our resolutions this year, you and Ooh. I? Why don't we keep one another on plan this year? Oh, I love that. Or I'm very some... on board. Good. Good, good. <laughs> Very on board. I will say a thing that we forgot to do, and it's perhaps a little late to do. I I did try to remember this: is that we were going to write an inmate a a Christmas card. Uh, right. We'll have to find another, maybe a Valentine's Day card. Mm, maybe, maybe that's oh. too romantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll find another holiday <laughs> to write a President's Day card. I don't know. <laughs> we will find a a different one because well, yeah, if, shit if, got crazy. Do we want to do one in the US and one in the UK or should we sure. pick one? Yeah. I feel great about that. I've got some thoughts. Oh god. Anyway. All right. Well. Um, um this is talk about movies. No. First. All right. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> Why would we talk about movies? I have a story to tell. I have a yarn to unravel for you, oh, Mark. Of I told right. you I would tell I you know, texted you when it happened and then was like, I will talk to you when we are uh, in person, so to speak. But of course, because things were so crazy, we did not record last week. You can tell like things were insane last week because neither of us even posted anything to be like, yeah, There's no, we yeah, were just yeah. like, now, this Fuck. is my question. Did because I thought you had. <laughs> no, I'd be like, ah. I didn't do Because obviously, obviously, I thought Corey would have done that. Ah, Corey would have done that. And I was going to text you. Did we, did we tell anyone no episode? Anyone. But I didn't because I knew you were having a mad time. Yeah, it was wild. And I think, I feel like everyone knew and understood that or were having their own yes. crazy times. So um, it was Keo's birthday. Uh, and every year he is in Philadelphia on his birthday because um, PAX Unplugged is in Philadelphia. And it is always the same week. Okay. So... I tend to, for the past three years, I've gone down every year and just, like, come and, like, hung out and we walk around. I fucking love Philadelphia. It is, like, such a slept-on city, um, but it's like, super walkable and beautiful. Huh. The buildings there are just incredible. There's museums everywhere. Um, this We went to the public library this year and walked around, and there's, like, old, like, ancient tomes written on stone from like mesopotamia and like all kinds of stuff in there and it's just free to walk around i played a theremin like you know oh. there's just so much to do in philadelphia um you know, so. i actually 
I threw my theremin out a week ago. What? I hadn't touched it in ages. Oh. <laughs> Just wait. I <laughs> wait. got it. Wait. And <laughs> Is that like an already established joke or did you just come up with that off the top of your head? Well, I heard it out of nowhere like a, f- a few weeks ago and <laughs> I didn't even know that I'd kept it there until you mentioned the theremin. And I thought, oh, I got That's something good for, this. for such a time as this. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had an incredible time just like eating all the food, drinking all the drinks, walking, going to museums. We went to Eastern Pen- State Penitentiary, which I went to last year um, by myself and went like at night and had s'mores on the ground, stuff like that. But I'd never seen it during the daytime. And Keo had never been there before. So we went to the penitentiary and walked around. It was really, really cool. Is it open? Is that a working prison? No, uh, it's been closed for... 50 70 years something like that it's a really interesting place actually because they built it it's the first true penitentiary in the world um and the idea behind it was like supposed to be very progressive it was like about reform right so like basically their idea was like you keep people in solitude and silence and penitence and penitentiary right and they will eventually reform um but this was actually just what we would recognize now as cruel and unusual punishment. It's well, keeping it people in like solitary bullshit. confinement. Like absolute bullshit. Yeah, right. Like people in solitary all the time, like getting very little yeah. time when they experience other people and things like that. But they were trying to do something good with this place. Like before we would just jail people, maybe kill them, like do whatever and, mm. and you know, expect nothing of them. We're going to reform people and get them back into the world. And there's not going to be recidivism, all this stuff. Now... All these years later, like it became like basically a ruin. They've done some, you know, upkeep and stuff like that. So it's not dangerous to walk around. But it's largely Mm. like a a museum that talks about um, like the problems of the prison industrial complex. And so they have all these exhibits and stuff like that talking about like modern problems with um, imprisonment, specifically in America and like how Mm -hmm. much our carceral system is like just insane and unhinged and like racist and you know huge and for-profit and um, all of these kinds of things so it's fascinating to see something that was like built as a progressive prison but failed miserably at that now sort of tackle the problem of prisons as a thing (laughs) altogether so Um, what 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 message does that penitentiary want you to take away uh, i think ultimately it is trying to say that we imprison too many people um, and that um, we need to come up with other strategies for um, dealing with societal ills than simply throwing people in jailers as a result because it's, you know, removing people from families, it's destroying communities. Um, Mm. Like I said, it's like a horribly racist system. People of color are targeted far more, but even white people, uh, there's an incredible amount of people in jail more than any other place in the world by a long shot and it's basically just being like this is bad <laughs> um, yeah. we shouldn't do this because um, it, it's it's a topic i've always <coughs> meant to key us to, to kind of cue us up to talking about because i know you're an abolitionist and i don't mm-hmm. i don't know what the alternative is i just have yeah. no idea yeah. so when this, one is, day, this is one another day. this is a 2024 episode we'll yes. do early 2024 we will get into our prison abolition episode yeah. and it'll be fun i can give you some reading as well but yeah be a good time but anyway Wonderful. we did that it was great we had a really good trip and then we were supposed to go see uh the band you introduced me to dury 
who <laughs> I absolutely love. Um, and I was like super stoked to go see them. So we go drive over. I drove down this time and so we could just drive back up um, that night afterwards. You know, I spent like two days there and we're just going to drive home because it's only about 90 minutes away. Mm. And uh, we go and like there's a brewery next door. We go and we have a brew. And then we walk up to the door and uh, there's two different venues in the place. Uh, one side Aqua is playing and the other side Dury is playing. So we Aqua. walk up and we're like Aqua. Aqua. Yes, as in Barbie, Barbie girl, girl Aqua. Aqua. Yes. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so we walk up and oh, we're like, so... from Aqua is fucking stunningly hot. She is, yeah, very I seem much to so. remember. <laughs> I have a vague recollection. Yeah. We walk up and we're like, so which line is for Dury? And the lady's <laughs> like, oh, so you should have gotten an email. That's postponed. And we're like, oh... Oh, what? <laughs> okay. So we no, go back no. over to the brewery and we're like, well, we could go home, I guess. Um, or uh, how much are Aqua tickets? And so Kia <laughs> finds $10 Aqua tickets online and we go and we see Aqua instead. <laughs> and it was a blast. We had a great time. Kia bought a t-shirt. He brought his bought his brother a t-shirt because apparently his brother was into Aqua in, in the 90s. Um, oh, well, well. Such a fun concert. Super great time. Lemonade. Right? Yeah, exactly. Or so we thought. And then mm. we got more lemons. So we go and we walk out of here and we walk up the street and we're like, where our car at? <sighs> and it was kind of like a like a, a weird intersection where there were like various spires off of it. And so we're like, maybe we walked up the wrong one, which like didn't really make sense. It was a pretty straight shot where we parked, but we were like, you know, whatever Keo's drunk like i don't you, know you, maybe we you 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 you've got parking disremembrance syndrome like me haven't you you'll park and just forget where you parked uh i mean depends sometimes oh. <laughs> normally i have pretty good recall for it but if it's like a huge parking lot or something i might forget or I mean, somewhere I'm, i go all the time if my car were stolen i would simply walk <laughs> around just... the car park in circles <laughs> Clicking my little yeah. fucking button. <laughs> yeah, no, I usually have a pretty good sense of where it is, unless it's like the <laughs> Disneyland parking lot or something like that. Um, but so we're like, so we check the other spires just in case. We're like, no, it had to have been this one. There's like a space where our car used to be. Uh, <laughs> we're like, okay, did our car get stolen? <laughs> and so we like call the police which is always a sucky thing. And Philadelphia police are like some of the worst in the nation. They're like just known for being giant assholes. Guy comes after like 40 minutes and me calling three times like, is anyone going to come or what? <laughs> Finally, uh, this guy rolls up <clears throat> and uh, and, you know, I explain what happened because Kia's drunk and I'm like, this he is not going to be he should not oh, be talking no. to cops right now no, uh, no, no so i'm talking to this cop giving him all the information and stuff and this guy is like oh yeah it's a hyundai he's like yeah that's the it's a tiktok challenge and i was like it's i'm sorry it's what it's huh? a tiktok what, challenge a hyundai's and kia's there's a tiktok challenge because you can take the casing off of the steering wheel and start them using a usb a and so kids go on TikTok and they learn that you can hijack Hyundai's and Kia's and they just take them and they joyride them and they crash them somewhere. 
and like that's it um <laughs> i was like do they do they recover them he's like oh yeah they're not like they're not selling them they're they're kids they're just watching tiktok <laughs> like they're not they don't have anything they're gonna do with it they're just gonna smash the car and leave so we'll get it back i was like okay cool unfortunately <laughs> like keo's laptop and all his work stuff was in that um my favorite baboon to the moon bag and my beloved Stephanie shoe t-shirt, both of which were limited edition and you cannot get <laughs> were in that. Like, so this is like a, we're like, this sucks. Um, so the, we are like to the cop, like, can you drive us to the train st- station or whatever? And he's like, mm, no, it's a little out of my way. And so he just drops us off, like in the middle of the city, like a mile from the train station in the cold, it's like 30 degrees out. <laughs> um, and oh, it's like, I think there's a station trick. over there that'll get you there. So we like walk down in the station. There's like, no, it's not running. <laughs> it's, you know, at this point with, with how long it took, it's like one o'clock in the morning. Like, uh, okay. So we finally like, our both of our phones are dying because our chargers were in there and all that kind of stuff. So we finally like, are like on our last leg, call an Uber to get to the train station. We get there and a uh, cop is like, um, so the train station's closing, but if you have a ticket, you can stay. And so the next train is at like 4.30 a.m. So we buy tickets for that train. Great. And then another cop comes up and he's like, can I see your tickets? And give him the tickets. He's like, oh, these don't count, only Amtrak. And I'm like, but that's not what we were told. We were just told if we have a ticket for the train, like we can take it. like, it's just Amtrak. And I'm like, buddy, our car got stolen. Like, I'm trying to reason. I'm like, this is, you know, can you have like a little compassion for this? Like, we're not trying to squat here. We've got tickets for the train. And he tells me, you're digging your own grave, ma'am. I was like, excuse me? And I was like, what is that? Are you threatening me? (laughs) Like, what, what does that mean? Like, I, you can't arrest me. Are you telling me you're going to shoot me if I keep asking you for compassion? What's going on here? Uh, and he's just like, you're digging your grave and like starts to walk away. And I was like, what is happening here? So we leave the train station. We're stuck. Um, managed to get a taxi and just have him take us back to the hotel the that we had. It's like, 130 take him back to the hotel that we stayed at the night before because we're like it's a cheapish hotel and we know uh there's gonna be vacancy or whatever uh so we go and we get a room for the night phone's completely dead uh keo like walks to the 24-hour cbs goes and gets a charger um and we like you know he charges up his phone overnight um and in the morning we take a train back up get a phone call that's like the next day it's like oh we recovered your car it was like under an underpass everything's gone windows are all smashed all that kind of stuff could have been worse the side of it is smashed all of that um but you know they got it (laughs) um and they're like it's in a like a tow yard down here um and you have to come here to sign that it's like your car or whatever. So Keo has to go all the way back to Philadelphia just to go to the police station and say, yeah, that's our car and leave again. (laughs) Because obviously (laughs) we can't take the car. It's like, it's busted. The steering columns. It's foobars. Right, like it's not totaled. Um, But, 
you know, then insurance finally comes like a week later <laughs> and is like looks it over and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's trashed. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we thankfully had comprehensive co- coverage on it, which we normally don't get. Um, and now it's in a garage somewhere like a half hour from here getting fixed. We have no idea when we're going to get it back or anything. We've got no updates at all on this. And we've just been without a car for the past, you know, two weeks. And, uh, yeah, during that time also, you know, we went to Puerto Rico for a couple days during which I thought that I had allergies, but now that Keo is here and suddenly got sick, I might've had a cold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I gave to him but it like I wasn't sick when I was outside it was like only when I was in the dusty Airbnb so I assumed it was allergies Um, I don't know just for those wondering still I was always in a mask and outside so I wasn't giving anyone my cold Uh, but (laughs) except Keo who was staying in the apartment with me and is now downstairs dying of man cold (laughs) so yeah it has been uh chaos at this point and i think that's part of why it's like we just like we haven't decorated or any of those kinds of things it's just kind of like we're just we're just kind of tired decompress just (laughs) decompress process right like we don't have we don't have a car we're tired we're sick we're you Um, know all this stuff did when the fucking crazy weather had kind of had its way with you, did Puerto Rico, did you manage to get any downtime? Did you manage to get any fun stuff? Oh, yeah. Like the day that we got there, and it, it, it was surprisingly clear, we got some good weather, uh, but we did get like a storm or whatever. We got absolutely drenched. And then the next day we went on a walking tour and like pretty much that whole day stayed beautiful. Nice. And then it like rained again the next day. But why were you there? We were just chilling. So Keo has like, he flies for work, obviously. Um, and to upgrade his status for next year so that, you know, he gets first class and all that kind of stuff and whatnot. He needed to take one more flight. (laughs) And Uh. I was like, let's (laughs) go to Puerto Rico. And he could use miles. So it was like free. (laughs) Just fly three and a half hours first class to Puerto Rico. And we got like a cheap little place there. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, we'll just go for a couple days. And uh, then he'll get his 1K status for next year. So that was why we went. Well, look, I am deeply, deeply, deeply sorry that you got fucked with. I mean, <laughs> the 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 cop telling you that it was a TikTok thing, that seems fucking pointless that he would say that. Right. Like, and he was so casual about it. Like, the whole thing, like, the entire time, he just acted like we were, like, a pain yeah, in his yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. Like, he didn't yeah. want to be dealing with this. And it's like, yeah, yeah we don't want to deal with you either. <laughs> The last thing anyone wants is to have to, like, deal with an asshole cop all night. And he just, like, yeah, it's like a TikTok challenge. What do you care? Like, they'll get it back. It'll be smashed, but it's fine. Like, like okay, we don't live here. Uh, <laughs> our stuff was in there. You know, mm. like, he just, like, was acting like we were being weird for, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. being upset that this had happened. And I was being very upbeat because, like, obviously I'm a black woman talking to a cop. So I'm, like, cracking mm. jokes and things like that and trying to be chill. But he was, like, so cavalier about the whole thing. And I was like, my car is gone. I am in a town I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I could not point on a map 
to where I am in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> like, it was just so ridiculous. And then, yeah, that other cop just, like, escalating things. And there was, like, a, another cop in there who, like, a homeless guy asked us for food, so we bought him a sandwich while we were in the train station. And then this other cop comes up, and he's like, did that man ask you for anything? And I was like, what, I'm going to rat this guy out? I was like, the guy who was with us? And he was like, oh, I didn't think he was with you. I was like, yeah, that's our homie. And he was like, okay. <laughs> like, bro, if I chose to buy that guy a sandwich, it's none of your fucking business. Like, ugh. I mean, it was just absurd. From a from an outsider's point of view, this seems fucking mad. Right? But, yeah. Like, I, I, not having... I haven't had any dealings with the UK police in a long time, right, sure. thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> but... But I, I would find it hard to believe that they would be that fucking belligerent. Right. Know? Yeah. Just so aggressive the whole time, like escalating to threats yeah. when someone like asks for compassion <laughs> over a situation that sucks. Or, again, you what know. the fuck am I talking about? I can easily believe that, that a UK copper would I be mean, equally as fucking. Obviously. We know this from, you know, Mike Mulsher coming on our show exactly, and talking exactly, about the UK exactly. cops. Like this is, you know, not an unusual thing for cops pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Philadelphia cops are known for being, like, especially aggressive and terrible. So Shitbags. The worst possible place yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, end up in a <coughs> in a bad situation like that. But, you know, hey, listen, like, we're in a position where something like that happened, but we're safe. We went on vacation yes, the yes, next week. Yes, like, yes. you know, the, there's so much privilege wrapped up in this story and everything anyway that it's like, yeah, it super sucks and I hate it and it's violating and I miss my stuff. Mm. <laughs> like, but you but, live to Joag another day. Right, exactly. Like, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, stuff I will is move temporary. On. Exactly. Joag is not. <laughs> That's right. Joag is forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we can talk about movies. Now do you want to talk about movies? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, you want to start? Well, we watched a couple movies together. We did, as we do each week. Um, What did we watch together? Well, uh, I'll just talk about Die Hard 2 super quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? For sure, me, shoot me down, break my okay. knees. I prefer Die Hard 2. Interesting. It's excellent. It is okay. an excellent, excellent, excellent movie. Now, it's made all the more excellent having watched it with Laura, right? Mm-hmm. And Laura is currently fucking absolutely just obsessed with a show over here, which is on Discovery, I think it is, on National Geographic or whatever it's called now, called Air Crash Investigations. Right? <laughs> and she inhales this. Whenever she is at a loose end, if, if if Laura isn't with you, she's watching Air Crash Investigations, right? Yeah. And she fancies herself now as some kind of forensic fucking aviation authority. <laughs> Amazing, and yeah. all the way through, she's like, no, 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 they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, when John McClane is on the runway waving the fucking, you know, the his torches in the air to try and get the plane to pull up, She's like, no, 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 no. They need to, they need to put the wing flaps down now because that would have, that would have reduced the drag. No, 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 no. no oh my no. god! Please and, watch more airplane action movies with your wife and, and <laughs> talk about it, like Fast no, and Furious Six, like um, <laughs> you know. But no, she she sees herself now as solicitor and uh, you know aircraft Amateur aircraft investigator. Expert. 
But Owen loved it. Owen the entire time was jaw dropped. Oh, he super, super loved it. That's amazing. Uh, Well, yeah, that's, I mean, I was young enough when that came out that I didn't have the like, you know, to like think this is a bad (laughs) movie. You know, like I think you have to be an adult when you see it to like be like oh this movie sucks so i don't yeah i don't have that like but it doesn't though from any angle (laughs) a lot of people hate it though you know it's that like what the odd numbers are good even or bad or whatever people hate die on too yeah i think so Hmm. yeah Uh, like i don't but yeah no i i always liked it so yeah rocks um now uh I also watch Gremlins again with Owen, right? I seem to watch a lot of movies with Owen and watch Gremlins. And <laughs> fuck me, it, oh, it's so rewarding to come back to films, to revisit films as an adult and see things that previously were not seen. Mm-hmm. There, Gremlins is absolutely fucking brilliant for that. It's got so much uh, eye candy, you know, the, <laughs> the, the particularly the scenes of Gremlin mayhem in the last third just let your eye wander around the screen. There's so much shit going on. Uh, I love it. I fucking love it. Talk about talk about belligerent. That's what well, the Gremlins, yeah, man. What a bunch of pricks. <laughs> just, oh, no, and see what? with this one, this is one where Gremlins 2 is my preference of the Gremlins ah, I movies. I love Gremlins 2. Gremlins is great, but Gremlins is. 2 is the one that I like. I come back to over and over. I think it might even have been at this time last year that I spoke about Gremlins because one of the things about these two films that fascinates me so, right, is the the biology of the Mogwai. Right. (laughs) And, you know, the biology of the Gremlin. What leaps out at me, right, is that across Gremlins 1 and 2, Gizmo is the only benign Mogwai we ever see. Mm -hmm. Every other Mogwai is a prick and every other Mogwai, aside from Gizmo, actively wants to be a gremlin right yeah they seek it out yeah the the gizmos kids in the first one chew the fucking alarm clock the wankers in the second one they go straight for the food after midnight why is is gizmo like mogwai prime Hmm. or or is gizmo the anomaly is this atavistic fucking purpose the point of gremlins and gizmo is the freak yeah he's just they all want him dead evolved version yes is yeah. he the fucking the runt you know is he yeah. the one is he the fucking anomaly i love that yeah totally the the lot of a, of a mogwai is to seek out its pupil phase right and ultimately to become a little bastard but gizmo <laughs> doesn't want that right. why i don't know i don't know think on mm, i love that mm, it's fascinating <laughs> to me asexual no. kind of reproduction is, is brilliant love it <laughs> Now, together, we both watched for the first time the classic, The People Under the Stairs. Just super quick, the novelization of Gremlins 2, right? T- Are you about to talk about the the breaking the of the, the, the what? Oh, no, no, the paint. The, the novelization of Gremlins 2 suggests that mm. when Gizmo gets wet in Gremlins 2, the water has run down one of Billy's artworks and mixed with watercolor paint. Mm. And the novelization of Gremlins 2 suggests that that might be what's fucked up all of the little mogwai that come out of Gizmo in the first one. But that just doesn't hold true because the water was unadulterated in Gremlins 1 and yet blah, 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 blah. Sorry, people under the stairs. Okay, well. <laughs> I just lost faith. I became completely bored. And if I'm boring myself, <laughs> then, you know. Maybe there's a, a Gremlins biology snack in there somewhere for one of I'd these love that. days. I'd like to wrap it up with a xenomorph biology snack as well. The life cycle Ooh, of the okay. fucking alien xenomorph is fascinating. Um, 
I had like a like a literally a five minute spell in my teens of going to like a role playing club, <laughs> um, and on the one day that I went, they were playing the Gremlins tabletop. Uh, sorry, the Aliens tabletop game, and that that gives you some fucking cool lore mm-hmm. on xenomorph fucking you know biology and reproductive fucking science and it's amazing it's it's to do with the stuff that they coat the fucking walls with that biomechanical kind of shit that they exude <sighs> ah so good i love it <laughs> anyway people insist people under the stairs neither of us had ever seen this before for no. some reason um was it, and... it, no red eye was his last film i'm not sure i believe red eye was was craven's last film so um but people in the stairs is like late era where's craven isn't it I get it's 1991. It's not. It's before, like your screams and everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know if I, I would call that I, that I late. Roll it back. I I rescind <laughs> that comment. Um, and I had I recently read a book about black horror and black people in horror and all of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff that the people under the stairs came up in and as sort of like misguided as it might be sort of Wes Craven's attempt at sort of addressing uh you know this racial and social inequality and having this like you know everybody's so worried about the the inner city and the blacks and all this kind of stuff but you peek into a white family's home and it's the like most uh you know horrific stuff that you can imagine going on behind closed doors um even like knowing that sort of premise for it i was not ready for the kind of movie this was i mean at all that you know that that theme david lynch is preoccupied with that theme but he goes about it in kind of i don't know maybe a subtler way because yeah, so the premise of The People Under the Stairs, if I remember correctly, is basically that you've got uh, this kid who, a, a black kid in the inner city who his family is about to be evicted from their home. Yeah. And we know the landlord is some sort of bad guy, but who collects valuable coins. And yeah. so uh, he, this kid is drafted by his mom's terrible, abusive boyfriend uh, to help him to rob the landlord to get these coins. Um, Mm. But when they go and do this, they end up stumbling into the very disturbing relationship of the landlords, this man Mm. and woman, uh, their daughter who they keep trapped there. And it turns out a whole bunch of other people who are locked away in their basement. Uh, but like what's like I think I expected something more serious and this movie is so goofy it is not a serious film it is not not. a serious film it is like slapsticky Um, it is uh, the what's the fellow who plays the the landlord the male in that the same guy from Silver Bullet um, yeah I mean it's Ed and Nadine from Twin Peaks isn't it right yes exactly and his Every single reaction he has in that is the most cartoonish thing you've ever seen in your life. Uh, A good chunk of the movie, he's running around like a gimp suit. Um, It is, yeah, it's over the top. It's got a lot of comedy. Uh, It's a weird ass movie. Yeah, now you've put it like that. I mean, I can't think of any comedy at all anywhere elsewhere in in Wes Craven's movies. <laughs> like, like, not like that. Not like slapstick comedy. You know, there's quippy yeah, yeah. lines Broad, in a movie. Physical. You know, like, 
yeah, <laughs> it's the Three Stooges as a horror movie, yeah. you know, like, yep. yeah, it's a very bizarre Wes Craven picture. Yeah. Um yeah, I was. I didn't even rate it because I was like, I don't even know like where I find this on the range because it was just so far outside of what I was expecting. Yeah, from I, I'm the movie. pretty sure I give it a, a three point five based solely on yeah, based based mostly on the fact that whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, I just did not what see this is coming. happening? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, it's certainly not boring. That's for sure. No. Uh, so um, yeah, there's that. Uh, kind of solo, I. I took the time to watch Birth Rebirth, right? Oh, right, because Which... I rejected that one outright. Exactly. Uh, you were <laughs> right to do so for the reasons that you suspected you might be, right? Yeah. This is this is some gynecological horror, right? Yeah, it, hard uh, Yes, um, deals with pregnancy and uteruses and, uh, you know, fucking necromancy, bringing kids back from the dead. Lots of really fun... Um, medical gore in this one, right? Mm. If you like your anatomically correct <laughs> fucking meat, um, this is one for you. Um, performances are great. There's loads of good meat, but it, it, you know, if you're if you're if you're squeamish about you know bodily fucking bodily <laughs> nastiness, this may be not one for you. I don't sure. give a fuck. I enjoy it. So I again three stars. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I watched um, uh, the other day uh, the new Netflix flick that I'd seen people were talking about, uh, Leave the World Behind. Right. Uh, Gagging to watch it. Really, yeah. really, really into watching it. I think you're going to like it, but I mm. thought, like, this seemed like a crowd pleaser when I watched it. And then I looked at the letterbox, and it's apparently more divisive than I gave it credit for. Um, okay. I loved it. I had a blast with this movie. It's an extremely claustrophobic, extremely tense and stressful movie. I don't think there's a moment in it where you get a chance to breathe. It's about basically Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts play a couple who have two kids. They're a sort of wealthy power couple type thing, but like he like in a sort of upper middle class bordering on rich way. So like the yeah. father is a professor and she's like something that's like a, you know, communications, whatever kind of person, something businessy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they decide to get away from the city and go to um, this big fancy home that they rent an Airbnb uh, just outside the city. And, uh, you know, have a little getaway. There's a pool. There's a forest. They're just going to, like, not be in the city for a minute. Um, and uh, as they're, you know, there, the owner of the home shows up uh, telling them that there was a blackout in the city. And is it all right if we come in here and stay the night and, you know, just see how things are in the morning? The tension sort of begins there between this black homeowner here and Julia Roberts, this rich white woman who does not believe this black man could possibly own this house. Um, But then things start to, you know, hit the fan. And it's like, what is actually going on out there? And is it the end of the world that's happening? And what does that mean for us in this house? Oh, it sounds excellent. Um, Yeah. And it is. I yeah, I loved it. It's like kind of absurdist in various ways there's just like a lot of good little quick quips and uh, referential humor here and there without leaning super heavily on it super Mm. tense and stressful i really liked it and recommend it um it is apparently not everyone's cup of tea i thought it was great excellent nope you've done nothing there to uh dissuade me from going (laughs) in on that one um so (laughs) 
I thought, ah, you know, I fancied a nice light-hearted watch, you know, something casual, uh-huh. something to just throw on, you know. So I went for uh, Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, though. Right? Yeah, I know, right? Hey, man. Oh, hey, boys. Right? <laughs> it is such a thrill to be blindsided by a movie. It is an absolute right. thrill, right? It is, it's, it's one of the... Th- fucking things i get up in the morning for is watching a movie with no ideas no preconceptions and being fucking flawed which is what uh the house of jack bill did for me i just want to say i cannot think of lars von trier without wanting to watch that clip again the one that i sent you <laughs> oh. oh man it's so uncomfortable oh, the famous great. clip of uh, lars von trier saying uh <laughs> what's he like what is he? How does he put it? He starts off by saying some <laughs> shit about how the Nazis were stylish, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> and then goes in just after after just like a, a pause that seems to last for fifty years, <laughs> while you know everybody else on the yeah. con table with him is just hiding their head in their hands. Yeah, the Kirsten oh, Dunst stop, is stop, like stop. about to die, <laughs> and just so then perhaps I am a Nazi, and <laughs> it's right it. You, he's, he's, he knows exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. in that clip. He, it's it's the best example I've ever seen of somebody of somebody who's clearly fucking super bright and super intelligent digging a fucking huge horrid hole for themselves, seeing that they've done that and then intentionally just diving the fuck into it. It's right. brilliant. I mean, he's, um, you know, it's he's a uh, an auteur edge lord, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I said it. Yep, completely. One now. Anyway, anyway, House of Jack built, superb. Um, what a great amount of creative gore in that film. Yeah, definitely. Right? Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic exploration of a serial killer. I mean, you've got to think, if I were a hack, I would reach for uh, comparisons to things like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, American Psycho, certainly. Um, 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 there was another one that it really brought to mind as well. Mm. It's interesting, like, because, you know, for people who have a longer memory than Mark, you might remember Mm. that I, you know, talked at length about this um, like a year or so ago when I watched it. And that Mm. like it was explicitly because I had watched um, Henry for the first time, like a week before that and loathed it to my deepest, deepest core. And then sort of compared this as to like why this is doing some of the same things, but doing it just so much better than than that movie is like it's on another plane you know it is i can i can i can see it on my shelf it's one of those that i think i might Mm -hmm. i'm gonna revisit i mean even though i mean most of the victims is victims of women yes but Mm -hmm. nothing in the film seems as as, uh, it's the intentfully sexualized as henry well, yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that I had said about this movie, which is, you know, for those that have not seen it or don't remember us talking about it, is an exploration of like a serial killer and watching his sort of justifications and mm. the way that he moves through the world. Um, you know, that I had also sort of I'd compared this to Henry. I'd compared this to um, uh, what's that home invasion one that I also don't like. Um, Strangers? No, the... Um, Oh, funny games. Funny games, yes. Um, and that I really hate movies where the filmmaker makes something very sick and twisted and sexual and, you know, woman hating and, you know, exploitative and all this kind of stuff. But then they point at the viewer like, now don't you feel implicated? 
And I'm like, fuck <laughs> you, you made the movie, you know? <laughs> like, and the yeah, difference yeah. with the house ah. that Jack built is that he's implicating himself. <laughs> this whole movie is like the exact reverse of that. It's not right, about right, saying right. at the viewer, and you're watching this, aren't you the sicko? It's like, yeah. no, no, I'm not, no, I no. make movies like this. <laughs> And here's an exploration of like how shitty a mind, like you know, does this yeah. kind of thing to people and exploits women like this and stuff like that. Um, and that I feel like, yeah, it's not doing the it's not doing the edge lord thing with this movie. It's more of like an actual, like reflection on his own yes. oeuvre. <laughs> oh, completely. And you know, it ends and you just want to go. You're right, mate. You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know if you are. Um, <laughs> like the, I think the top letterbox comment on that um, is something like, can someone just get Lars von Trier some therapy and be done with it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get it. Um, um, yeah, I can absolutely see why this would be draining for people and be a little too like, yeah, he is commenting too I, much I'm, on himself and, you know, yes. all that I had stuff, to watch but... it in two sittings because it is hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, but... it's like three hours long too. It's oh, a, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, a fucking... Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a... It's it's a task you've got to commit to. It's, but it's um, gripping, you know. It, it's great. I was invested. I never yep. watch anything in parts. I'm never coming back to it if I do something like that. So I watched it in it's one something sitting. I'm doing more and more of a late, actually. Port just, yeah, it does seem right, that I'm way. I'm going to pause it there. Go yeah. and the meal come back. Yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of fun. Yes. And together, uh, we also, the other day, watched Black Christmas, which I was excited about. Um, I watched mm. it for the first time last year and was like, holy fuck, I see why this is such a classic and everyone loves it so much. Uh, and so I was like, Mark, when was the last time you watched the OG Black Christmas? And you were like, never seen it, never mm. seen it. So I was like, fuck, yeah, we're watching this. Uh, it did not go the way I expected it to. <laughs> it didn't. I think I maybe watched it wrong. I don't know. Mm, um, yeah. Or I, or did I? I don't know. I mean, what what you love in it and what you saw in it, I didn't. And don't mm-hmm. um i think I, it's one of those that i'll take another run at because i love yeah and <laughs> right and she's great in it um yeah. i think yeah this was one of those ones where i could kind of tell from the moment we started that you were not in like the headspace for it slash also like maybe the expectation was going to be off i think i was expecting something was. a little bit more of a vibe twin to something like sleepaway camp right yeah exactly you know? Um, and that's, I think when I saw it, that's what I expected too, is like, I was really expecting more of one of the, it's Black Christmas. What we know of like horror slashers is like much more lighthearted and, and this does have lighthearted moments in it for, for those that have not seen Black Christmas. Um, it is about a group of women, college women who live in a sorority house and they're getting obscene phone calls over and over that get like, excellent obscene yeah, phone calls. yeah like just horrendous obscene phone calls that get more and more vicious and explicit and violent um and then they start being like killed off as a result um and i think like the the movie is like it was interesting the other day tara posted about it and she like called it misogynistic which i was like what or she called it woman hating um, and she was saying it in a positive way, though. She was like, I love a woman hating 1970s movie or whatever, which like most slashers of the 70s are. They are absolutely woman hating movies. And this is not yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, mm. It's, you know, very much like the opposite of this. It's like, you know, you have a storyline about a, a girl 
you know, who is getting an abortion or wants to get an abortion, who has like this terrible boyfriend, um, older boyfriend who's clearly taking advantage of her. And, you know, you have all these sort of like uh, various progressive messages throughout this. And I think very real sort of representations of like what women are like and how terrifying men are to women. So it has Mm. it's kind of like the proto men, you know, Mm. where it is like, yes, all men (laughs) sort of film. And what I think is so great about that is that despite how terrified women are and how terrifying men are in this movie, that the women are very normal and like joyful, even in the midst of like terrible things happening, they'll be like having laughing fits over stuff. And like, you know, at one point uh, Margot Kidder's at the police station and she's giving the phone number and she says there's a new call letter that's fellatio that she like, you know, tricks the cop. Even in these like very dismal situations, you get the fact that like, but women live like, you know, they are going to go on with their lives because what else can they do Mm. in the midst of, the fact that every man around them is like trying to assault them and abuse them and use them and all of these kinds of things. Uh, So yeah, I think like it's so clever in that way and so real to like women's experiences um, while also like the phone calls are like really horrifying. I think most women have at some point received these kinds of like Mm. phone calls from people, you know, someone trying to freak them out and everything. And it's really terrifying. Um, and it's got the, just like men, there's like an ambiguity to it. You know, you don't know who this guy is because it could be any of these people. Like <laughs> Any man mm. could be this murderer, you know, and that's what makes it so, yeah, so yes. scary to watch. Yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, all of which was, was lost on me pretty much. I, I don't know <laughs> if I was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, this may have been an attention issue Possibly. here. Um, I think in the right like mindset you would like it a lot more than you did i was that busy time. watching kids on tiktok nicking your car <laughs> <laughs> yeah right seeing if maybe it shows up on there it would it would be very funny if somewhere there is a video of oh, i'm sure there is idiot kids stealing our hyundai yeah. <laughs> um, wankers. huh wankers wankers um <laughs> The other thing that I just wanted to talk about that I watched was a documentary called The Mission, which I was actually really excited about and then unfortunately disappointed in. Um, The Mission is on uh, National Geographic. So here in America, it's Disney Plus. I don't know if you guys get any Nat Geo stuff over there at all. We do. Yeah. Fuck load, actually. There's loads of it. (laughs) Well, then it's probably on Disney Plus for you as well. Um, Mm. And The Mission is about, uh, you may remember, like... I think it was 2018, a young Asian American kid uh, decided that he was going to go contact this famously hostile. I do remember that. Yeah. Isolated the, tribe. The island you should never go to. Yeah. The island, it is understood you do not go to. These people do not want you there. <laughs> um, and <laughs> as you can imagine, they immediately killed him. Um, yeah. And so this movie is sort of exploring that. Um, and just like with like most movies, documentaries about evangelicals, it fails to examine evangelicalism. (laughs) And that is like, it really sort of treats this 
as this kid being an adventurer first and foremost and that's sort of reflected in the people they interview in it too like looking at him more as a kid who like if he hadn't been a christian he would just be exploring you know <laughs> like, was, was the the guy was warned surely Don't oh absolutely he knew yeah. His, you know, he wrote like a note of like, you know, if I die, please don't hurt them or anything like that. Like, what yeah, was he open to achieve, buddy, exactly. Like, to make them well, Christians. He was a missionary. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he went here and he was like, I am going to be the one to bring the gospel to these people. Um, and it goes a little bit into, like, I told Keo as we were watching it, I was like, his certainly he's going to have been inspired by you know jim elliott who was like a hero that i learned about in my missions classes at vanguard and stuff like that who was killed um you know as a missionary in ecuador i think Mm. um in the 1950s uh and then his wife went back after he was killed and continued the missions and Christianized these tribes down there. And then they flaunted them on television. They showed them cutting all their nasty native hair and putting them in conservative dresses and stuff like that. And like, look what we've done. Uh, We've turned them into white people. Uh, And they are heroes to Mm. Christians. And like, what I wanted this documentary to do was to explore that, that like, this is not one Mm. kid. This is, evangelicalism like when i was growing up like dc talk the biggest christian rock band had like a book out called jesus freak that was just about people who were martyred and songs about you know people who were martyred and like this was when you went to church it was like ultimately that was like people who died on missions were rock stars like that Straight was to the, heaven, mate. yeah no right like there's nothing that cloud. yeah and it affected how like christians went about their day-to-day lives too like when you went to school you were on your mission field your school is your mission field you go in there and you need to evangelize to your classmates oh. at like what oh, and if they persecute yeah to me and if they persecute you for that like that's you know that's more little notches on your belt like that's you go know yeah. yeah, like that is proof that like you're doing God's work and Satan's trying to push back on you, but like you're doing the right thing the more persecuted you are. And the best kind of persecution is to die. And like on top of this stuff, I think about like like there were friends that I had when I was in college who have been missionaries in Tanzania for the past 15 years or so. And they're anti-vaxxers and they're going there and they are bringing that to people in areas that have like rampant HIV, malaria, mm. like all kinds of stuff. And they're being like, oh, vaccines are they're of the devil and things like that. And like this was pointed out in the movie that it's like, like you're bringing superstition to people who are not superstitious. You're bringing all of your like folk demons and stuff to people who aren't like this. And you're training them to be that. And, you know, they want your approval, you know, they want the stuff that you give them, you know, (laughs) like, and so they're, you know, they end up going into all this kind of stuff and it's super dangerous. And I wanted more of like, this isn't just this small quirky group. This is what evangelicalism is. This this isn't a travel documentary. Did he go there alone? Yeah, he went alone. Yeah, nobody would go. But there was a group that like trained him and they should have gone into that more. Like he went to a group that actually trained people to do this. And they give you like five minutes of watching them like pretend to have spears and stuff like that and, you know, whatever. But like, this is what drives me crazy about... And they like the reviews of this are hilarious because like multiple of them are like, this is the first time that I have 
seen a Q&A with the filmmakers and rated a movie lower as a result <laughs> because these guys went in and they were like, oh, we don't want to have an agenda. We just yeah. want to have like an open mind just about it. Just present the facts. Just you know? present what happened. And so it romanticizes this kid as like an adventurer um, who was maybe a little misguided instead of like part of like a very dangerous, organized uh, mainstream religion the that mission, yeah. encourages this. Yeah, the mission. So, you know, I'm still waiting for someone to make a documentary that like accurately talks about the dangers of evangelicalism and stops making it seem like, oh, there's here's a little sect that's bad here and a sect that's bad here instead of like, no, the whole thing's rotten. Mm. You got to talk about that or you can't understand this kid. You know, you don't know any more about this kid after watching this mm. uh, than you did before because it doesn't talk about how he got that way. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder, you know, about funding and about where the fuck, who who made this piece, who, who you know, right, who created yeah. this. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, they're definitely not Christians for sure. Okay, it's okay, not. Okay, okay. It's not coming from that angle. And I think that's why, like... It's so wishy-washy because I think that's the thing. I think former evangelicals would make a different movie, but secular people mm. don't want to judge. Mm. So they come in and they're like, well, it's not my job to judge Christian beliefs. Uh, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to like talk about what happened here where it's like, yeah. no, you should. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. <laughs> you can't take that like, you know, detached ethnog ethnographical look at this, you know? So yeah, I think it's clear that they are not Christians by how carefully they treated this subject. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that, that, that guy would not have made those decisions in a vacuum, you know what I mean? Right. A, a support network mm -hmm. behind that fucking awful decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it is what like what's really fascinating is that his parents are not like that. Like they took him to church and stuff as a kid. Like they're Christians, but they're not evangelicals. And mm. like they tried to talk him out of his evangelicalism. Basically, they wanted him to become like a doctor. Like mm. they, you know, his dad is so upset about what happened. Um, and I think that's another fact. Like we're talking about a family losing their kid to evangelicalism. And that's not really approached in this either. You know. And in a pretty fucking remarkable way. Yeah, right. <laughs> like really losing their kid to evangelicalism in a violent, uh, yeah, violent way. So I'm gonna have some of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually watch that. It looks it sounds right about. <laughs> yeah, let me know what you think. And it's it's interesting because I think maybe from like if you don't have that perspective, it's you know maybe a more maybe more effective than someone who's like, oh, they're just missing a huge part of this. But I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on like what you take from it. And if you, if you're like, no, it's clear <laughs> or whatever compared to my take. Yes, I shall, uh, I shall report back. Uh, let me think. Some bits coming up on Joag over the next couple of weeks. We've got, yes. we've got, to, we've got to do a Joag review of the year. It's, I think, Obviously. I think when we, uh, look back over 2023 from a, a kind of a media point of view. I think this is going to be a banner year. I think there's been a lot of good shit this year. Um, Interesting. You know, because yeah. uh, on Dead and Lovely a few weeks ago, they had kind of brought up that they were like, compared to last year, like this wasn't really a huge year for horror. Um, there weren't really a lot of like big bangers or like, you know, zeitgeist movies like there were last year, even the ones that I didn't like, but like you had X and Pearl and Barbarian and like all these like big 
horror flicks mm. that we didn't really get any of those this year. So it'll be interesting to look back and see if yeah, if I'm there basing are big ones. I'm basing that look 2023 had Fall of the House of Usher, which I was about to say. I mean, which immediately yeah. makes it a <laughs> like elevates year. it. Yeah, yes. way the hell up there. So for sure there's that. But yeah, we will definitely, we're going to look back on the year. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, we've got... just I've got a list of bullet points here. Uh, just out of context, Joag notes. Bodily breakdown. Fuck does that mean? Mm, okay. Don't know. We're going to talk about it soon. <laughs> uh, simply poisons. Uh, we'll okay. talk about that. Um, this will be interesting when I work out what we're going to be talking about. Deformed babies. Oh, that's right. We did not even approach the deformed babies come today. So we'll, that's we'll going to come forward. Circle back around, talk about deformed babies. I know that might seem like a kind of a easy Yeah, that sounds like we're being a throwaway glib. Joag topic. No, 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 no. What you've got there is just the taster of the topic. Yeah. We're going to talk about, yeah, yeah more to come. Uh, let me see. Bodily breakdown. Don't know what that is. I don't know. Corey's car. We did that one. Good. We did, um, yeah. I want to talk about, oh man, right, so. Obviously, everybody knows I'm a gamer. Love the games. The games. I am in the first half of playing Alan Wake 2 right now. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm still picking up bits of my skull from the wall around me, right? That's how much this has blown my mind. It is fucking great. And it's made me dying to have the discussion about video games as an art form. Absolutely. Yeah, I think right? that's so a, that'll be that a fun one that's, that's upcoming for sure. Yeah. It was hilarious, by the way, this morning. <laughs> I have Mark to share it. A, fucking... Mark sends me a text message. Says, uh, "Are you busy?" Uh, it's not not particularly. Get on PlayStation Five right now and share my screen. You got to see this. The moment that party started, Mark was yelling it's in so the good. thickest Welsh accent I mm. have ever heard I you and... do sober, um, <laughs> and just. <laughs> singing and yelling and telling me to look at yeah. this and it great. was incredible it was great it was yeah amazing stuff uh, i've never seen anything like that in a video game before but we'll do a let's play of some of that as well so people will be able yes, to see we will. Uh, that'll be coming this week um mm. and uh this week or next also you're gonna get a nice christmas reading from mark on the um on the Ko-Fi. So if you're a member of that... On what has now become a deeply valued and beloved Christmas tradition. Yes. It wouldn't be Christmas, would it, without Mark... Exactly. ...drinking fucking uh, Dead Man's Fingers rum and reading something into a microphone. So I'm going to be doing <laughs> Yes. So very excited about that. You get a little spooky What am I doing? Christmas. What am I reading? Do we know? Not yet. We'll... <laughs> All will be revealed <laughs> and it'll be great. And if you are in our great bunch of lads tier, you will also be getting Christmas cards in the mail soon. So oh, keep an eye out for that. Yes. Anything else that they no. should do, dearest Marco? Well, I'll just do that in a minute. But but I, I will say, as mm. the year waxes and wanes and draws to a close, it's just lovely to be able to spend this time together, isn't it, Corrigan? It really is it's you know after over three years it is no less fresh and exciting every time we do it and i yep. love this podcast yep as do i and i hope you can find friends some semblance something in there to agree with you know mm, indeed uh, oh and hey the 2024 book club calendar is up by the way why don't you make a resolution to be a part yeah. of the book club this coming year it is 
a fantastic time. We have so many good books on the list that I'm stoked to read. So jackofallgraves.com slash book club if you want to be a part of it. Completely free. Has nothing to do with our Ko-Fi or anything like that. The only fee is your company. Yes. And it's... Nah, just cut that out. I was going to say some shit. Yeah. Two, two hours, two fifty-five. Just cut. The end. So there is a lot of wholesome fucking hearty joag coming your way. Mm-hmm. It's the shit you love to listen to. It wouldn't be a fucking week without a joag, as you know. And that's not going to change. Here, here. So until next week, when we come to you right before mm. Christmas... Why don't you go ahead and stay spooky. Festively spooky. Ooh, festively spooky. Ho, ho, ho.